Hey everybody, welcome back to the third exciting episode of the Mighty Thor cast. My name is Ed. I share the hosting duties with... Insert name here, Terry. Yes. Sorry, I, I lost my cue card. Like, uh, you know, I state your name. Uh-huh, I state your name. Mm-hmm. Right, that's, yeah, yeah, you know. Do hereby pledge allegiance to the frat. Um, sorry, that's our... That's our pop culture... Pop- Pop culture reference for this episode, yeah, yeah. T- Terry and I are. That'll be the only one, though. We. Well, no, no, but but Terry and I are big pop culture fans, so we we do stuff like that, not necessarily intending to uh, throw anybody off or for it to be a test. But if you haven't been around and done the kind of things Terry and I have done, you might not catch them, even though they're obvious to us. So, we'll we'll try to let you know when it's a when it's a gimme. And that one should be a gimme uh, for most people our age. And yeah, so anyways. All right. Um, as far as the feedback, um, no no significant feedback this, uh, this time. Um, no email. Our number of likes on the fan page on Facebook has stayed the same. Uh, I do want to uh, uh, make mention to those people that have downloaded – um, even though if you've downloaded and not listened to the show, you, you won't get this. But for those of you that have downloaded and do listen to it, we want to thank you. We've gotten our numbers for the month of August. And for having just two episodes out so far, I think that uh, the the Thor cast is appealing to a, a, a decent-sized crowd. And I, I just want to thank you guys for that. Um, it would also help us to stay as much in tune as we can with the kind of things you would like us to do with the show if we got some feedback from you. Now, I know there's only been two episodes, but there's been there's there's multiple ways to get in touch with us and and we'll I'll give them out again at the at the bottom of the show. We give them out every show and every show that Terry or I are involved in actually we do it the same way. So a lot of you guys know how to know how to get in touch and and we would definitely appreciate it if you did. Now, the uh, the books that we're going to talk about this episode are issues 85 and 86 of the 1952 Journey into Mystery and issue 613 of the 2007 volume of Thor. That's the current volume. Right? Yes. Okay. Exactly right. Just um, um, nothing to I'm add. Waiting for you to, I'm waiting for you to say something wrong, and I'm going to jump right on it. And make you look like a fool. Okay, fair enough. Then I'll, I'll do everything in my power to prevent that from happening. <laughs> Just giving you a little friendly warning. Okay, all righty. Uh, the front cover of issue 85 of Journey into Mystery shows Loki. Looks like to me, looks like he's standing on like a pedestal that you would see a, a granite statue on or something like that. Um, Kind of matches what he's doing. He's exclaiming that he has the powers to match Thor and, and looking down on Thor. And Thor is aghast looking up at him saying, uh, oh, no, my sworn enemy Loki has found me. Then you've got a couple other caption boxes here on the cover explaining a little bit more in detail what what's going on. Inside, we open with the current plight of Loki who has been entrapped within a tree by the gods of Asgard, unable to leave his prison 
until someone sheds a tear for his plight. Now, Loki is the god of mischief. He is the least liked of any of the Asgardian gods. So, of course, this was a fitting key to his lock because no one in their right mind would shed a tear for the fact that he was being punished for being a butthole. If anything, they would do a dance of joy. Yeah, so so what he has done is over the, uh, I would say, millennia. Um, he, he, he said, said centuries. centuries. Okay. So over the centuries, he has slowly gained control over the tree itself to where he can get the tree to do some very, very limited things at his command. So what he does is as Hemdel is passing by the tree, and a little backup here, Hemdel is the Asgardian god that is charged with guarding Bifrost, or Bifrost, however you pronounce it, which is the rainbow bridge, the connection between Earth, or Midgard as they call it, and Asgard. So Hemdel is basically a gatekeeper. As he's walking by this tree, Loki jostles the tree, or however you want to put it, getting one of the leaves of the tree to fall, and as it falls, it catches Hemdel in the eye, and because he's been poked in the eye, his eye tears. And so Loki indicates, all right, now because of my plight, I was able to gain control of this tree, and thus I was able to affect Hemdel's eye, therefore my plight did indeed cause him to shed a tear. I appreciated that um, whole big long um, thought there explaining how that tear counted because when I first read it, I was like, no, that is not the kind of tear that they meant when they put Loki in the tree. But then he went on to explain it, and I'm like, thank you very much, Stan, for explaining to me why you let that be. Right, right, which no, it doesn't count because that's not what they meant. But by the letter, to, uh, according to the letter of the law, yeah. yes, it does count. It's not the sentiment of the law. It's not the intent no. of the law. Yeah, but no, he, he stamped all over the intent. Yes. But the letter of the law, yes, it, it did release him. So now Loki, the, the trickster god, um, arguably the most evil of the Asgardian guards, uh, is now free after who knows how long pent up. So the one, uh, not the one thing, but the first thing he starts thinking about is getting his this this dude Thor back, which um, there's no point right now going into. But there, there's a, a relationship between he and Thor that comes out later. But reason why he goes after Thor is because Thor was the one responsible for capturing him, that in turn allowed the gods to imprison him. So Thor is ultimately responsible for Loki's imprisonment. So the the thing he does when he gets out is he starts looking for Thor. He finds him. Uh, doesn't find Thor, actually. He finds Thor's hammer because it's made of the magic mineral Uru. And before he was imprisoned, he established a mental link with it. Conveniently. I don't know. Okay. Maybe that's part of the actual mythology if you went and read it. I, I'm not sure that they ever use anything like that again, but. It worked this time, so. Um, 
So he finds the hammer, and of course, at the time, Thor is using the hammer, so by extension, he finds Thor. He's down on Earth. Loki decides, well, I need to go down to Earth and uh, find him and, you know, get him back, cause some mischief, whatever. Well, Thor has uh, – Loki wants to call Thor to him. He doesn't want to go looking for him. Plus, I suspect that in his civilian guise, he probably can't detect Thor. He's not using the hammer. He's Don Blake. So as far as Loki could tell, even though he can't and he explains why he can't do it, um, he probably couldn't detect Thor anyways. I don't think so either. They don't do it, but I would suspect no because he's not Thor. So. Right. So instead, Loki says, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out. You know, I'm gonna do some mischief and and call him out." So what he does is he he picks some people in in the crowd here where he materializes on Earth, and he turns them into photo negatives of themselves. So instead of being in color, you know, like we would normally be, these people are in black and whites, and they look like a photo negative, which I thought was pretty cool. I mm-hmm. I wouldn't be too upset about being a photo negative. That'd, that'd be kind of cool, but. Well, it looks like they're also frozen in that photo negativity, so I don't know. You might be a little upset about that. Well, I mean, I think they're able to move. They're just stunned into frozenness, as it were. I don't think I would be stunned with my arms up above my head like the woman in the middle. Well, yeah, she's... No, I don't think She's so. looking at... Okay. Okay. So, um, Thor, or I'm sorry, Don Blake uh, actually does happen to be nearby. And so he hears the commotion of the crowd, sees what has happened, doesn't know why, but he sees what has happened, and in order to help, decides to change into Thor and does so and approaches those people that have been um, photo-negatized. And I I love how he fixes it. Uh Um, He decides he's going to spin his hammer. And cause it to emit antimatter particles. And then because the hammer's spinning so fast, it's going to blow the antimatter particles at the, quote, negative victims. And then the antimatter is going to reverse the atoms of the negative people, transforming them back into positive people. Okay. I Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, that could very well be the way that you fix that. I have no idea. When we see it happen and it doesn't work, we'll know that that's we'll know. right. They lied. So, okay. So now Thor has saved these three people. That's all it was, just three of them. And uh, Loki comes up to him now after he has saved these people while he's not distracted. I don't understand that. but And uh, drops the human guys that he took on when he transported to Earth and and is is showing himself to Thor to be Loki. And Thor utters something interesting here to me. Um, Thor should know him. Thor imprisoned him. Not only that, but, well, the relationship that I alluded to earlier, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw out there. Thor and Loki are half-brothers. They have the same father in Odin. Mm-hmm. Right. So they know each other. But Thor says, Loki, the Norse god of mischief, according to the ancient legends, the most cunning and wicked of all the gods. Now, this is that that dreaded thing that 
one of my co-hosts on another podcast dislikes so intensely, external dialogue. Yes. Which, in this case, it isn't bad because it tells you about Loki, and, and people just might not know that. But I don't think Thor would be the one thinking it because of those reasons that I just said. But somebody has to think it. But it wouldn't be Thor. He knows darn well who, who Loki is. But somebody has to think uh, it. Yeah, well, put it in a put it in a box. Just a write, legend box. At yeah, the top? just write yeah. it. In a, you know, so. Well, they could have done that a couple of times, actually. Yeah, yeah, they could. So um, Loki uh, challenges Thor uh, to a fight and decides to take him away from all the people, which is odd because I think Loki would want to use the people to try to distract Thor and whatever because he just saw Thor save some people. So he knows. Can I interject a female moment again? Yeah. A girly thought. Oh. Did you notice that Jane? Yes. Who is huh over Thor is now huh over Loki. Loki. What is this woman? She's a god hopper or something. I don't know. All the all the Norse gods must look dreamy. I guess so. They're all dashing and romantic to her. She's a what? A god hopper. Oh, I'm I'm gonna have to remember that one. Jane the God Hopper. Okay, yeah, I like that. But anyway, that's my my girly thing. I, she she's getting on my nerve. She needs to pick her a man and stick with him. But okay, you can go ahead now. Okay, all right. So uh, Loki decides to pull Thor away and and go fight. So he he uh, creates a flying carpet and uses it to go up in the air. Which is interesting, because if he can create a flying carpet, does that mean he can fly? Because he never does, by himself. No, he's always on something. Cause he, he always can, uses he, something. Later on, he'll take something else and cause it to fly. Yeah, so, so. so maybe he can't fly on his own, but his magic can impart the ability of something to move. So he can make something else fly, and he just hitches a ride. Yeah. Okay. So he go, And Thor goes up, at, twirling his hammer like a helicopter, and so he goes up following him. And uh, by using... The uh, hammer, Loki manages to hypnotize Thor. And, yeah, the sun hitting the hammer. Right. Uh, yeah, the blinking on and off light, whatever, yeah. And in being hypnotized, um, makes Thor susceptible to doing whatever Loki says. So now uh, Loki takes him back down to Earth and decides, hmm, you know, his big weapon is this hammer. I've got to get this hammer away from him. So he... He tries a, a couple things to get Thor's hammer away. First, he tells Thor that there's a monster over yon, basically, and, and Thor throws his hammer, but it comes right back to him. And uh, at that point, Loki realizes, oh, yeah, that's right. Whenever he throws it, it doesn't stay thrown away. It, it comes back, so that won't work. So he creates a, uh, a, a doppelganger of Thor, a... Um, not really a duplicate, but like a a virtual image of Thor, like a mirror image of Thor, mm-hmm. and uh, animates it, saying that ca- causing the 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 fake Thor to say, "I am Thor, give me my hammer," and because he's suggestible right now, the real Thor does that, so he relinquishes his hammer to this fake Thor, and. Not having his weapon, Loki figures, well, I've done what I need to do there. Now Thor go over there and cause some mischief. So he 
sends Thor over there without his hammer. Loki comes back and is is watching uh, the regular humans try to do something with Thor's hammer. And as we know, the legend states that only Thor. Right now, the legend states only Thor can lift the hammer. It will be changed to only someone with the righteousness of Thor or something like that. Um, so while Loki's watching the humans, Thor, as he's going over there to create mischief, is apart from the hammer long enough that he reverts back to Don Blake. Well, when he does that, it breaks the hypnosis that was on Thor. And so now Don Blake goes back to retrieve the hammer, picks the hammer up, and faces off against Loki again as Thor with the hammer. This time in in fleeing, Loki, does he call... He gathers. Yeah, he, he calls a bunch of pigeons in the area to him and and rides off on the pigeons. Thor makes chase. Uh, Loki lands in the middle of a crowd where Thor can't really do anything with his hammer because it's too the, the humans are too close. So now Loki uses human beings to do something, whereas initially he did not. He wanted to separate Thor. So Loki goes into a, a real crowd, uh, tries to waylay Thor by pulling down the house curtain on him. And instead of wrestling with the, the curtain and you know trying to shred and tear and crawl his way through it, Thor just blows the curtain away with his with his breath. Uh, makes chase after Loki in a in a subway underground subway station. Loki pushes some of the people onto the uh, onto the tracks. Of course, or not of course, but oddly enough, none of the people come in contact with the third rail because they're alive. When Thor jumps down there, he lifts the tracks up and makes like a an artificial hill for the train to go up and back down with the the people underneath and him holding the tracks up. So he saved those people, and, and the train is passed. He, he makes chase uh, for Loki again, and this time sees that Loki has taken uh, a winged horse from a nearby sign and animated it. And so Loki is riding this flying horse. Thor is still chasing after him and comes to a construction area picks up a big section of, of pipe and throws it in just the right way so it goes up and comes down onto Loki, kind of trapping him in the in the tube of the pipe. This knocks Loki off the horse, off off the flying horse, and into uh, the 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 bay, the ocean there around New York, which is where they have where their chase has led them. Um Thor has to make sure to get Loki because Loki's magical powers don't work in the water. Which I, I didn't know that before. I, I didn't know that either. Um, so he definitely has to rescue him because Loki can't do anything to save himself. And so he'll end up drowning, which I guess means he can't swim either, even though that's not a magical power. So Thor goes and grabs him and... Um, Takes him to the top of a of a of the Empire State Building, straps him to his hammer, 
whirls the hammer around fast enough so that it'll, it'll break the barrier between Earthen and Asgard and flings basically Loki back to Asgard, at which point the hammer or Loki, one of them, they become dislodged from each other, and the hammer returns to Thor just in time so that he doesn't revert back to Don Blake. So again, this is 60 seconds from the time it leaves his hand, goes to Asgard, comes back, 60 seconds. Pretty darn quick. Yes, it, it, the, the hammer flies almost at the speed of thought, they say. Which is interesting because next issue they make a mention about the speed of imagination. So mm-hmm. we're talking very fast here. Um, and, and the final scene is another one of your quasi-romantic kind of scenes here. Jane is, is ooing over how good Thor looks and how good Loki looks. And Don Blake is, eh, I believe, nonplussed is what you would call that. Yes. All right. So there was issue 85, uh, Journey into Mystery, a nice one-off standalone issue. Miss Terry, what would you think about that one? It was it it was um, informative. Okay. I liked I liked like eighty four was not all that informative on the mythos of Thor. It was just some stuff that Thor got into. Right. Not as much as eighty three had been. Right. And then eighty. I like the fact that eighty five brings us some more information about Asgard and and. Thor and Loki is introduced, and we get to learn a little bit about him. Okay. So I, I enjoyed the story. Okay. Um, and Jane's he, getting on my nerves, but... They have, particularly with female females at this time, they have a certain stereotype, and they will just play it to the end. I'm telling you. Um, a, a, a point of, of, of interest here... Um, in the current run of Thor, we have been reading about the Thor, yes, the Asgardian god of war, Tyr, who uh, plays a pretty decent part in issue 613 that we're going to talk about here in a bit. Um, issue 85 of Journey into Mystery was his first appearance. Now, that's very misleading because in the, in the one little panel where the hammer drops Loki off and circles off and goes back. There are some shaded characters at the bottom of the panel, and each character says something. Well, apparently one of those characters is Tyr, but you can't really tell who it is, which one it is. So just a a point of interest. All right. Journey into Mystery, issue 86. Um, this time on the cover, we see Thor attempting to, to probably strike someone. And it turns out that Thor says it's the tomorrow man and he's fading into a different year before I can reach him. And you see kind of almost an invisible looking ship and man drawn. So apparently they're not invisible. What they are is fading away as, Thor attempts to, whatever, interact with them in some way. 
This issue opens not currently, but 300 years from now. Our, our future. Um, man has abolished weapons. There is no war. There is just peace everywhere. Only peace. Except in one scientist's heart who knows that with just a, a, a little bit of, of doing and a weapon, he can conquer and subjugate the entire planet because it will be the only weapon that there is. So he can't create weapons, but he can create a time machine. I didn't quite get that either. I thought if he can create that time machine, why couldn't he create his own bomb? It's a rather elaborate machine. Uh, he even has a viewport to view. I know. Yeah. So I, who knows? That's story flaw. That's, that's all. So instead of creating a weapon, uh, Zarko or Zarkov, what's his name here? Zarko, Z-A-R-R-K-O, Zarko. Uh, creates a time machine that has a time scope on it that lets him look around and pinpoint where he wants to go, and then he can go there. So he looks into Earth's past when they had weapons and picks the 20th century because they have nuclear bombs. Hmm, I wonder if this is some veiled comment about nuclear weapons. So he decides there is where I want to go. Uh, we cut to our time, which at this time is 1962. And Thor is helping the military test some weapons. And in the process of this testing, this Zarko in his time machine materializes and steals a weapon. And what he steals is a cobalt bomb. I have no idea if that's a real weapon or not. So Zarko steals the cobalt bomb and makes off with it. Thor's unable to stop him because he just fades out just like he faded in. Except, I don't know, you can't really tell. No, yeah, you can. Thor throws his hammer at the ship, and before the ship completely fades away, it knocks a piece off of the ship, a piece of the metal, leaving this foreign future metal behind. Uh, they just lost a weapon because somebody stole it, and the only piece of evidence they have is this piece of metal. So they realize they can't recognize what it is, and they decide just to turn it over to Thor. So they do, and Thor draws the attention of his father Odin by creating a storm, and then asks him for help in going to into the future where Zarko is from. Now, how did he find out that he was from the future? Did Zarko say something? Let's see. Looking back in time in the book here, um, Zarko never says anything. The, the, the scientists say because he disappeared and there is no... What other way for that to happen but time travel? It has to be in the future. Oh, because there was no – it has to be time travel, and since there was no time travel in the past, it, it, has to, it must be from the future. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of questioning that logic, but okay. He could be from a different dimension. He could be from a different planet. Well, yeah, but this is their supposition at this time. So – uh, Thor asks for help getting there, 
And Odin says, uh, yes, I will help take the piece of metal and strap it onto your hammer and spin as fast as you can. And then he says, silly rabbit, didn't you know that your hammer has the power to spin faster than light and thus you can enter the fourth dimension of time? Which apparently Thor didn't know because he asked Odin for help. So, So Thor goes... Back in time. Oh no, no, sorry, no, uh, no, Huey Lewis uh, no. play here. Okay, no. that's um, second pop pop culture reference yeah. number two, right? Um, goes into the future and asks for Zarko, and everybody's like, "Oh, you know, Zarko, he came back from somewhere with a weapon and set himself up as as this tyrant and." Basically, you'll find him over there in his fortress. So Thor goes to uh, uh, draw him out of his fortress, and uh, Zarko sends some guards after him, and they're like – one guard says to the other, should we go after this Thor? And the other guard's like, well, of course, Zarko has the only weapon on the planet, meaning he would use it against him, I guess. Yes. Okay. So they go after Thor, and while they're going after him, a stranger knocks a tree over in their in their way, and they crash and break off their pursuit. So Thor goes running on up into the fortress with this now mysterious stranger following behind him, and Zarko's ready for him. As, as Thor enters, he triggers a, a trap door that, Drops him into a, a magnetized room here, and and thus traps him. But as he's as he's boasting, the stranger uh, decloaks himself, and it turns out that he is Thor. The one that Zarko thought was Thor was just a decoy, because the real Thor know that Zarko would be waiting for him. Uh, Zarko picks up a Delta Electron gun and fires it at Thor, which is sending him into another dimension. But before the window, the window is is closed. Before he he finishes transporting him, Thor blows so hard that it um it opens the window back. See, I don't. It pierces the dimension veil before it can be fully closed. And, closed. and what, Thor steps back through it, I guess? Uh-huh. I don't, okay. So Thor keeps the window open with his breath and then comes back. Uh, next, Zarko sends some robots after Thor, and one of them manages to take his hammer away. Uh, as a timer is ticking across the different panels, counting down the 60 seconds that he has, Thor digs down into the floor, finds a water pipe, and breaks it, filling the room with water and thus um, exposing these robots to water, which they're not waterproof, so their electrical mechanization in the water don't mix, and they finally stop moving, dropping Thor's hammer, which he grabs up just in time. Goes back after Zarko, who jumps aboard a spaceship aeroplane kind of thing with the cobalt bomb and tries to fly off. Thor starts a storm that 
uh, buffets the ship to the extent that it throws the bomb out. Thor catches the bomb. Zarko's ship crashes, and he is captured. Uh, but he has no memory of what he's done. So, of course, being the peaceful people that they are, the people that capture him say that they will heal his physical injuries, and that's it, because he'll have no memory, so there's nothing to worry about. To punish him for. Right. Um, Thor returns to the present, gives the cobalt bomb back to the military, and... I guess as, as every one of these is going to end, there's a, a little scene here at the end of Dr. Don Blake and the exchanges between him and Jane, him knowing he's Thor, her having a thing for Thor, but not knowing something she says that's funny, romantic, or catty, and Blake's response knowing that he is both Thor and Don Blake. So. And there we are with issue 86 of Journey into Mystery. So, Miss Terry, anything you'd like to add to that one? I once again enjoyed the little bit of uh, discovery that we had about what Thor can and cannot do. There was actually some in this one, too, because we've learned that he can travel time okay. by twirling his hammer quickly. That's nice to know. And I thought it was it was a fairly decent story. I could see someone time traveling. Yeah. It yeah. It was nice uh, again, it was a uh a one-off self-contained story. Everything was in it. Um I like that style. Every now and then, you know, I I'll, I'll long for something that's a little longer than one issue, but usually my attention span is definitely one issue long, so I can you read got it. a one-off attention span. A one-off, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> all I got. Um, both of these issues were written by Lee Lieber, two names, Lee and Lieber, and the art chores were Kirby and Ayers. So that's the way it was with the first two issues of this we read, and, and that's the way it is with, with this one as well. All right, um, now we'll turn our attention to the current volume of Thor, issue 613. And looking at the cover, the cover's cool. Uh, shows Thor fighting a some kind of, I would assume, fiery demon or some demon from hell or something like that because he's a big, ugly dude with a goat head skull for a, a, a head, fire all around him. But Thor's face is a little off. And any of you guys out there that have this issue, check out Thor's face. It, it, it looks like he's got a big old double chin. Yeah, he looks like he's about 80 years old. So um, not, not really sure what happened there. This issue is written by Kieran Gillen with pencils by Richard Elson. The story opens with a flashback scene of Loki... Reforging the sword. Eargram. Mm -hmm. Eargram. Uh, and, and Mephisto is there talking to him. Uh, now we know that, that from previous issues that Loki forged the sword and gave it to Hela. Mm -hmm. Because it was the only weapon against some creatures that Loki was going to send 
against Hela. Yes. Which the creatures attacked her, took the sword, and basically hid it. Ditched it in hell. But they didn't hide it. They they left it in Mephisto's castle, his palace, and... It has a spell on it. And, and left it there, so... Now, we see that Thor is in the midst of a quest for the sword. So uh, he's, he's, in, he's currently at the Plateau of Brass. Um, I'm not sure if that's a creation of the comic people or if that's an actual division of hell, Dante's Inferno perhaps. I, I don't know. And Thor is trying to get to the sword, which is, again, in Mephisto's Layer, I guess we'll call it. Mephisto is watching him, uh, none, none concerned because he doesn't really care about all this that's going on. Cut back to Asgard, we see that uh, Balder is attempting to to sue uh, the female Asgardian Kelda. He's trying to attend to her emotionally, and he's attending to her physically by bringing her some food. All the while, Kelda is planning... To poison. Um, yeah, Balder. Well, it might not be Balder that... No, Hemdel. Hemdel brought her the food and is, is seeing to her emotionally by trying to talk to her. I'm sorry. All the while, she is plotting Baldur's demise because, as king of Asgard, she feels that he is responsible for the death of her husband, uh, Bill. 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 Okay, good Asgardian name. And uh, uh, Baldur does go and speak to her, and, and she speaks back, you know, in a, in a nice subjugate kind of way, being that he's the king. Cutting back to. Uh, Hela's part of Mephisto's hell, we see that the Desir, mm-hmm. right, are right. still attacking the fortress, and Tyr and Hela are kind of running out of gas in trying to keep the Desir from, from defeating them. Uh, we cut back to a vision of a vision, a uh, several scenes of Thor passing through all the different levels of hell. Yeah, I was trying to see if it indicated where he was, but it doesn't. The hurricane of the lustful. Yes. And the skull sees. Okay. So he's going through all these different levels. Right, and uh, he runs across a, I guess, demon who indicates that. Um, if you help me, I'll help you. And Thor's like, well, how can you help me? And he says, well, I have information that you can – or, or um, uh, if you do something for me, um, I'll, I'll release your mother. And you back up and see that this, this demon that he was passing is standing on the chin of a female figure that is laying on its back. In, in this large stone field, uh, Thor's mother being Gaia, which is the, the earth goddess. Goddess of earth, yeah. And so he, you know, he starts thinking, well, hmm, you know, should I save her or should I not? And then he considers, well, 
she is is this big, vast, all-encompassing kind of thing. So basically it just makes sense that part of her would be here in hell. Not necessarily that she's suffering, but if she is suffering, it's part of who and what she is. So, uh, nah, there's nothing for me to do. I'll keep going. Right. And did you notice that the demon that was tempting Thor with the I'll release your mother thing took his mask off and is the huge demon on the cover with the goat head? No. At the end of the exchange, he says he's coming on anyway. Oh, yeah, you're right. So that's that's what, that's who this demon is here, is the guy that tried to waylay Thor. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, I'm sorry, we digress because before we get to that, we get we cut to another scene no, of no. Tyr yeah, and Ella. We're not really digressing. It's just you've got simultaneous stories going. We can bounce uh-huh. back and forth whenever. Uh, we just basically we see more of um, Tyr and and Hela trying. Hela to- has Hela is trying to to slow everything down and give Thor more time by by creating little little beings of herself which I think is really neat, for the Desir to feast on so it slows them down because Tyr's like the only thing we can fight them with is what it is that they do and they feast. Right. So Hela's like, fine, let me give them something to feast on, and she's casting off little pieces of herself for them to eat, slowing them down so they're like having a meal. Slowing them down a little bit, but not, yeah, not, not a, a lot. Not a lot, no. Um, so, okay, we jump back to Thor who is now at the fourth assembling of the second quarter of hell. I have no idea where that is. Maybe that's Mephisto's. Maybe that's showing that he's right outside Mephisto's fortress. Uh, Cutting back to Citadel Hella, we see Tyr fighting the Desir, who, uh, as Terry mentioned, have slowed to feast on the essences of these duplicates of Hela, but it's it's not slowing them down appreciably. And Tyr's trying to sacrifice himself, saying, well, here I am, and they're like, no, we can't kill you and eat you. Right, so he he takes off this cup that he has on his left arm, because he had that arm bitten off by the wolf Fenris, which is another story. And underneath it is an, an energy – The soul, he says, but the soul of the god of war is a weapon. So I don't know why he had to do it on that arm or what, but yeah, basically he he attacks the Desir with his his energy mm-hmm. is, is what it is. Um, Thor has made Mephisto's fortress. Uh, he finds the sword and attempts to remove the sword but can't, and Loki takes that opportunity to tell him, well, you know, you did a good job getting here, but there's a spell on the sword, and so you can't take it. Um, at that time, Tyr communicates with Thor and basically tells him, you know, hey, look, dog, we have done everything we can. Uh, if you're going to do something, now is the time to do it. So Thor's at this fortress. He can't get the sword. 
his people that are battling the Desir are about to lose. So I guess pretty much he does the only thing that he can do. And so Thor calls out the name of the Desir, which we know that anyone that speaks their name immediately draws their attention. So now uh, they're no longer going to be fighting Hela. They're going to all, however many there are, uh, fly to Thor and attempt to destroy him because he, is, he, he had spoken their name aloud. Which was, a for me, kind of a surprise ending. I mean, they're fighting, fighting, and, you know, they're doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, Thor just yells out their name, and it's like, oh, well, now they're all going to go to him. Mm-hmm. So, which I guess isn't bad, because he's right there at the sword, if he can just figure out how to get Break it. the spell and get it. it. work, yeah. So, okay. So, there we go. And the next issue, uh, I don't think is the last of the story. I think this is a five-part. So, the next issue is part four. Um, Miss Terry, what'd you think about that one? I'm getting into this story. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see the next part to see exactly how Thor is going to get this, uh, airgram and defeat these Desir because we know he's going to because he's the good guy. Yeah. Now, d- does that take anything away from it for you? No. Not, no. I mean, no, there's no guarantee Thor's going to win, but you know Thor's going to win. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, because like you but said, I've, I've grown up watching the good guys in the white hats and they always win. They may be beat up and you may have moments of, oh, no, but, you know, eventually they're going to win. OK. All right. Uh, I, as as kind of a non-comic book reader, I was I was wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah. OK. OK. I'm sorry. No, that's, that, that's, that's OK. Um, that, that was that was it. I'm just I'm looking forward to the what and just. Not really about this story, but what's really striking me with us going from the old to the new is the innocence of the art of the old. Yes. And the in-your-face, dark, gothic, goriness of the new. It's like you could tell that that was much gentler times back when Thor began (laughs) as to how it is now. And this is not really, you know, all that graphically bad compared to some of the other stuff you see, but it's just amazing to me to see, because we're kind of looking at them side by side. Right. Yeah. In a way. So it's just, the difference is just so drastic. And uh, the, the artists that were following on that journey to mystery of Kirby, he is considered like a, um, a founding father of of comics so even more so to think oh not only is that you know what it was but that's like where it started Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it you know it's like wow in um 40 between 40 and 50 years or let's see um 62, so that's what, 48? Mm-hmm. Almost 50 years. So in 50 years, it is. Yeah, you're right. It, it's very. Wh- what do you think about the art in, in this current Thor? I thought it was it was basically good. There were a few, like the, the cover face of yeah. Thor. There were a couple more spots 
that I was like, mm, okay, but it really didn't affect the quality of the story to me. The overall art was what it was supposed to be, supposed to be reflecting hell. So it was sinister and dark and, and gory and bloody and scary, and that's what it was supposed to be. I especially like this very last page, the shot of the deceer with the little fangly teeth and the glowing eyes and the little snobbed up nose. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it's, it's a very fearful-looking creature. That That's a definite um, movie shot. If they yeah. ever made a movie of this story, that yeah. shot would have to be in there. Some, you know, with all the makeup, like the, the ghost guys off of the Return of the King, mm-hmm. uh, the... the Lord of the Rings movies, those guys, and turning and looking at the camera, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I like the art. Um, this is more my style of art, more so than what Kirby is. There are things that I really enjoy about Kirby. We haven't really gotten into him too much yet. Um, so there, there are things that Kirby draws in particular that I like, but overall the art... I like the kind of art we're seeing in this current volume more so than that older volume. And uh, I've never noticed before, but I actually sat down and took a look at it this time. Um, put me on the comic books have too many ads bandwagon. <laughs> so, okay. So there we go. Uh, we've talked about Journey into Mystery, issues 85 and 86, and... Thor issue 613. Uh, both of the Journey into Mystery stories were, were one and dones. Uh, the Thor was a continuation of, of a current storyline. Actually, it's the, it's the middle chapter. Next episode, uh, we will talk about Journey into Mysteries issues 87, 88, and 89. And just for those that keep up with comic books, today, as we record this, uh, Thor for Asgard issue one came out. Uh, that's a six-issue miniseries. Terry and I are going to wait until the entire minis- miniseries has been published, and then we'll talk about the entire story as one thing rather than going issue by issue. Um, I don't recall reading in the previews that it reflects on current continuity so it'll be I think it'll be okay if we if we just do that as a side kind of project and not incorporate it into our current Thor reading if you guys uh, do want to, to get in touch with us and I certainly hope you do you can contact us by email at the mighty Thor podcast at gmail.com. Our website is at comicbooknoise.com slash Thor. And we do have a fan page on Facebook. It's the Mighty Thorcast is the fan page name. Definitely want to thank Mr. Coward, uh, Deliberate Noise, Comic Book Noise Network, CEO, COO, CFO. All around cool guy. Bad mofo. <laughs> all of those for helping us out. Again, want to thank the listeners for the first couple episodes. We're, we're getting a lot of attention, and that's, that's excellent. 
Miss Terry, as we uh, so we try to finalize things and scoot on out of here. Is there any anything else that you want to say? Just I'm looking forward to the next episode, and I hope everyone else is too, and they'll come back. Cool beans from her mouth to your ears, folks. We will catch you again in a couple weeks with episode four. Until then, read some Thor and give us some feedback. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.